Okay, finale. Eschatology and 7M answered today. Welcome. This is Jesus, the patterned son, attempt to give you sonship doctrine that is faithful and fulsome, or in other words, a go at it that's biblical and orderly. Maybe the finale, probably not the last, but still probably the finale, what everybody has been waiting for. If I'm tasked to re-preach sonship, then where am I going to go with it? And this will answer that. And I've already told you I'm going to go to 7M. What, what, what? Okay. Sonship has always been predicated upon the end times, at least when I've heard it preached. The tribulation is coming. And if it's the end times, then you have a special part to play in this. So you need to join this move and follow me. That was the kind of come on. Although the specific thing that I was told is, do you want to go all the way with Jesus? And I answered that in the affirmative. But I think really underneath this other was was the actual game. And it it certainly has been based on eschatology. And it was eschatology that pried us away from the move. So you understand that Sam 5 was clearly a premillennialist, did not believe in the rapture. In fact, we taught the rapture of the wicked, although that wasn't spoken of a lot, but I remember... The guy from Muscle Shoals talking about that. So Sam Fife more or less said that the tribulation would start in 1976. I understand Buddy Cobb, when he was the leader, made some date in the late 90s. I wasn't there, so I don't really know about that. And so what is my eschatology? And here's what I say. If sonship is true and it's in the Bible, it really doesn't matter. But it's certainly a whole lot more manipulative to say, oh, this is the end, the end time and you've got to come in to the ark and the hour is getting late. Well, boy, howdy, it looks like pretty late. <laughs> I don't think anybody really needs to have to preach that very hard given the news cycle that we have been in spring of 2020. So what kind of eschatology do I have? I have always said, I've studied eschatology enough that I know that I don't know. And that's true. I've studied eschatology more than anybody I personally know or even know of. Well, maybe there's the possible exception of Perry Stone, but I don't know how much diversity he had in his studies. When I was 13, I went through the late great planet Earth, Hal Lindsey's late great planet Earth, and I went through it again along with Revelation and saw that the order did not match. And then, of course, when I was in high school, I got in the move, and I was, oh gosh, early 20s, 21, when I was studying 
amillennialism with Ross Bracewell and of course didn't stop with Ross. I never quite understood how that timeline worked out so I studied. I actually read the the theologians be surprising to many of Ross's friends that not all reformed theologians are amillennialists but anyway I think back upon us as young marrieds, you know, with just an infant or a couple of small children, and we can't come to a church. And back in those days in Canada, if you came to church, you often got invited to dinner at the pastor's house. And the first question that we would ask the pastor is what his eschatology was. And we were so in earnest and so intent on this, and those pastors were just so shocked. <laughs> <laughs> it seems a little bit more humorous today than it did then. <laughs> Some of them had no answers for us at all. Of course, I have sat through many of the charismatic Pentecostal eschatology seminars since then. And I remember back in my early 20s, no tapes sold better than the ones that were lurid eschatology. Oh, this is going to happen in the tribulation. No tapes sold better than that. Why? If you thought you were going to be raptured out, you really don't even need to know. You're not even going to save your skin about that. Well, whatever. So I don't really know. I've studied it a lot. At the moment, I'm a little more convinced by Derek Prince's words, who said, pulled out the verse in First Thessalonians that he who lets will let. So the he who prevents would either be the Holy Spirit or us, the church. Derek Prince reasoned that every time a government is about to make war, they pull their ambassadors. And so he figured that the Lord would pull the church out of the earth before there is judgment or war. And so that's possible. And I also have uh, been alerted that wrath is not stored up for us. Wrath isn't stored up for us. By this, I mean to quote 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 9, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. You understand from the very rapture portion of Scripture. And so, hallelujah, maybe maybe the best of all possible news is that we, the church, are going to be raptured out of here. Hallelujah. When will that be? I don't know. And I don't even buy the, well, nobody knows the day nor the hour but you can know the year. That's what Sam 5 said. Well, I don't even buy that. But boy, to me, it sure looks like it could be this upcoming Feast of Trumpets if he's going to appear at the last trump. Is that the Feast of Trumpets? And we have participated in Passover and we're participating in Pentecost. Let's get on with the harvest. <laughs> could it be? I don't know. But I'm going to really try to do my best to be obedient until then and occupy bring in the harvest as much as I can so I don't know I don't care but let's do look at 
Revelation 12. It's not like I don't care at all. I care, actually. I'm very interested, but I care more about worshiping and serving God and God saying, well done. Do you remember Brother Noah? Well, I'm waiting to hear you say, well done. Anyway, Revelation 12. Well, this is worth going over, I suppose, with a fine-tooth comb. But let me just mention here that the woman mentioned gives birth to the man-child before she goes to the wilderness. So going to the wilderness cannot be the method to have let alone conceive, of the man-child. And why would we think that unless we were completely mesmerized, hypnotized by the words, the moon under our feet. And the moon, of course, is the church because the church, just like the moon, reflects the light of the sun. The church reflects the light of... So really, are we saying that we, our special group, has the church under our feet, really? And if so, what is this crown of 12 stars? I don't know. <laughs> but of course, you have never, ever heard anybody say such a thing as I don't know. Because they want to tell you that they know everything and you're supposed to follow them. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, let's just do it a little better. Maybe, maybe we are responsible when people snooker us like that. Hmm. Do you remember the first time somebody gave you a nonsense answer to cover up their own pride and their own incompetence and how befuddled you were by that? Can't we just get to a truthful track? Let's try. So, what I'm saying is here, I don't see a very clear method toward being a son of God here. But I do see a suggested method over in a clearer scripture in Acts 10.38. By the way, why is it not possible that this scripture is not about the people of God who gave birth to the Messiah and then had to run to Petra? Why, why is that not possible? Well, Okay, it probably has an application to us. All right, well, we'll leave that to another day. But it seems to me that the primary ruler with a rod of iron is Jesus. And if we're included, then only included in him. You know, we started this thing with Jesus, the pattern son. So how did we get so far afield to have no Jesus in the story at all? How does the story even make sense if there's no Jesus, if we're the only Christ? That doesn't even make sense. Okay, so we're, we're searching for a method to become mature sons of God. From Napios to... Huios. Okay, so what might be a good scripture? How about Acts 10 and 38? So Peter's preaching about Jesus. Peter said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. 
who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Well, this was what Jesus was like. Well, if we're going to grow up to be like Jesus and in Jesus our head, then this is what we should grow up to be like. Oh, a whole lot less manipulative. I can't get you off into my little group. And so thinking that you can become perfect only by pleasing me, can you? No. Let's look at this scripture. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. And by the way, N-Z-R is a long-standing word that means devoted. So here immediately it says Jesus, who is, you know, Yeshua means God's rescue. And Nazareth here is, is from devoted, is a devoted person he is anointed with holy spirit and with power so that's the first thing we ought to be devoted to god realizing that god wants to rescue we should be anointed and empowered with holy spirit so we should have strong relationship with jesus and with holy spirit it's more important than our relationship with some eldership. Notice you haven't even had to pay me anything for these sermons. Not that I don't think they're useful or worth something. Okay. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Spirit and with power. So we should be anointed. We should be devoted, anointed, and empowered. Woohoo! This is not news to you. But this is something we should be focusing on instead of on and on and on and on. Some sort of death to self in body life. And we'll talk about death to self. That's true. And we'll talk about body life. That could be wonderful. But this is more to the point. Who went about doing good Oh, so you're supposed to go about? You're not supposed to be in a corner. All right, so if you're in a corner, like in the wilderness, for a time of testing, or a time of retreat, or you're retired, or you're rearing children, okay, I can give you a pass. But Jesus was going about. And so surprise we should be going about and engaging in culture jesus was in the marketplace jesus was in the temple jesus was walking down the dusty road jesus was tired at the well jesus was tired in the boat he was going around and so we need to be going around and we all, might not all be itinerant preachers but we'll all have a calling and we'll all have a neighborhood and we can all be going around and doing good. Going around and doing good. This is not some namby-pamby goody-two-shoes good. This is not some don't-make-trouble good. Everybody said Jesus was a troublemaker. 
<laughs> what kind of good was he doing? He was releasing people from the oppression of the devil. He was healing people. He was doing miraculous works in various ways. Yes, miraculous works in various ways. So, yes, I believe in miraculous healing. Pray for people, lay hands on people, speak to people. I'm hoping uh, not to mitch, uh spitting in their eyes. But anyway, <laughs> healing, yes, real literal healing. But how about healing in a greater sense? How about pulling off miracles in a greater sense? All seem to be oppressed by the devil right now. We have sad families. We have an economic system that is predatory. We have an education system that dumbs us down. We have what we call a health care system, which is neither healthful nor full of care. And we have people who want to work with health get disappeared. We have widespread oppression everywhere. And if the Bible didn't say over and over three and a half years and how many ever days and how many ever months, then I would say maybe this whole time has been the tribulation. We, When you get to see it through certain eyes, you see we're oppressed by the devil in every way, shape, form, and fashion. <laughs> and we need help. We need strong people who are empowered, who are anointed, who see the picture and who bring healing who bring restoration, who bring salvation. And not just rescue, but righting the system. That seems to me to be a mature son of God. How about many-membered man-child? Haven't we heard that many times? Well, I don't know that you can... If you can grow up together, great, but so often the crowd will pull you back. It's the wide gate and you get your eyes on man's opinion instead of growing up yourself. I think that's something we need to each grow up. We need to each have our relationship with God and of course you can't do that entirely by yourself. And we can't really go out and do great works by ourselves either. We have to stand up and be strong ourselves. But we need, it would be very helpful to have a team. Don't you think? It would be great if our family could be our team. And I see this in really strong ministry families. The whole family supports, not the ministry supports the whole family, but the whole family supports the ministry. And I, of course, don't muzzle an ox, but, but that doesn't go to the model of Eastern nepotism or Western corruption where the family cashes in. That's not what I'm talking about. But really good ministers have, um, I think, joyful family life and their spouse, maybe their parents, maybe their children, all really support what they do and become a matrix for the congregation and it would be great if the congregation would be a community and a team and it's hard to achieve so we're talking about micro churches hallelujah 
We need teams. No question about it. We need community. No question about it. It used to be extended family was that. We need something like an extended family, something like a band and something like a tribe. And then we need to work with the whole body of Christ. We just cannot continue to shoot at one another and build our own baronies. And we won't when the persecution is as severe as it is even today. But certainly we expect a little bit more. And, um, you know, part of the church is strong in this and part of the church is strong in that and part of the church is strong in the other. And if we could march together, we would be a much stronger team. Hallelujah. We need a team. We can't be sons of God without going about. We can't be sons of God without proclaiming the kingdom. The kingdom. Not our church, but the kingdom of God. We can't be like Jesus without touching the poor people and touching the pitiful people and touching the sick people and bringing healing. And what would greater works be? He went and healed all. How about preventing people from getting sick? How about teaching them so that they all step up into a greater life? How about if we heal the very structures of society? How about if we loosed the captives in such a way that there was no need to have prisoners and no way to make prison planets. That sounds to me like what we should aspire to. That sounds like a much greater sonship than I've ever heard preached before. And maybe that's what other people are talking about when they say cultural mandate or 7M. Anyway, that's my view on it. So, this is what I say. Yes, grow up into God. And there is an appropriate aspiration for that. God doesn't want to birth babies and then leave them puking, muling, diaper-wetting napios. And yet some people will tell you that. They just want to cop out. Now are we the sons of God, says John, old Apostle John. Now are we the sons of God. So even then it was possible to be a teenager, to work with the father, be part of the father's business, to be looking over the desk at the father's plans, to go out and be an ambassador, and maybe even to run a little branch plant with Father's provision and blessing and orders. You know, God wants to be in business, God and Sons Incorporated. <laughs> so how to do that? Well, we have to grow up. We need a method. Well, the method's right here in the book. It's been here all along. All of the, the hostafel in these epistles is guidelines on how to behave. Well, let's do that. We just skip over them. Skip over them, it says, no evil speaking. Skip over them, it says, 
be angry, but don't let the sun go down on your wrath. We just skip over them. Flee useful lusts. And that's the beginning. That's that's going from paideia to technon when we have mastered self-control so we can move on into service and to be servant leaders, servant leaders. It's not enough to be evangelizing only, but how could you possibly call yourself a son of God and not ever do evangelism? We all have our callings, yes, but everybody take a step toward fishing. Everybody take two or three steps toward spirituality and miracles. So, here we go. Acts 10 and 38. First, be sure you are with God. Get close to God. Get some assignments. Be devoted, anointed, and empowered. And then, go around. Doing good. Hailing all. And getting people de-oppressed. What's, what's the opposite of oppression? Liberty. Set them free. Free to be who God created them to be. Oh, and not just people, but creation too. Hallelujah. All in our calling, but all as a team. As one. <laughs> yes, I stole that from somebody else. But Jesus prayed for unity. So I think that's the highest goal. That's almost so far up I can, can't see it. But there you have it. To be a son of God is to be like Jesus. And if we could do that in a many-membered company, hallelujah, that would be greater work. Amen. Please give us a like wherever you are listening to us so that others might find us. And please share directly with those who might be interested. You are invited to write us at sister at jesuspatternson.org. Sister at jesuspatternson.org. And of course, you are welcome to come to our website at jesuspatternson.org. May the Lord bless you.